This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free ebooks and drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. All right, guys, today we've got Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Incomes. Guy's really, really slick when it comes to entrepreneurship, starting your own business, and creating passive income streams. And I don't mean that in the whole make money from home from Google kind of way. We're gonna talk about how to pick yourself up and dust off from losing your job and how life is 99%, how you react, and only about 1% what actually happens to you, where to start looking for opportunities to create your own income streams and take control of your income, shedding your fear of judgment and creating connections for your business and for yourself, how to keep your work life and personal life separate and why it's important to do so, setting up your schedule and your space for ultimate productivity and focus, and some hacks to keep you away from work if you're that kind of guy like me, how passion can be more than enough, how to deal with negativity, and more on this episode of The Art of Charm. So enjoy this one with Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. So you got laid off in 2008 from being an architect, and I know from my job on Wall Street, when the market turns down and you get laid off slash you don't know what you're gonna be doing next for rent money, it's pretty much the scariest thing in the world. Is that kind of what you were feeling at that time? Yeah, I just didn't know what to do. I had spent all my life trying to get into this industry. I mean, it was doing everything I wanted it to do and then all of a sudden kind of getting booted out. I didn't, I didn't have a plan B. I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing and then all of a sudden somebody tells you, sorry, you can't do that anymore. You don't really think to have a plan B at that point. And so you kind of just scramble. You know, first initial thoughts were just, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? When really it wasn't even my fault. Who am I going to be disappointing? How am I going to support myself, my family? And what's, what are my parents going to think about this? I'm a complete failure. You know, I actually ended up moving back with my parents to save for rent money and also for wedding money. I had to like literally just proposed to my wife a couple months earlier before I got notice I was going to get laid off. And it's like, wow, the timing could not be any worse. Oh, man. So architecture school is no joke. It's definitely tougher than law school. It's definitely tougher than... It's probably up there, honestly, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably up there with med school in terms of the amount of just disastrously difficult work you have to do, the amount of criticism and pressure that you're under to perform, and the mm. amount of just sheer hours that you're putting in. Right, and you know, people's lives are at stake just like in the medical industry. I mean, we build buildings that could crush people. You know? yeah, that's like, true. You know, they take the education of architecture very seriously. That's why in order to get a license, it can take 
multiple years in nine to ten different tests and different topics in architecture. It's just, it's crazy. But the schooling of it, yeah, it was definitely a lot of work, a lot of nights in the studio. I must have slept at studio hundreds of times, I mean, just to finish projects. I mean, that's the one thing about architecture, too, is like when you're working on projects, you're doing drawings, you're building models. Um, Yeah, it might seem kind of fun on the surface, but when you have you know, four renowned architects who are going to come the next day and judge you, like literally just to be like, oh, that's crappy. Or why'd you do this? And you just put on the spot. I mean, it's it's difficult. It's nerve wracking for sure. And it definitely takes a toll on your health. And it's just, you don't get to see anybody else. I mean, luckily it was just one semester of each year when I was doing architecture studio, but I wouldn't see any of my friends for that whole five, six months period. That's extremely intense. And after all of that work and all of that licensing and all of that studying and all those tests, how long were you an architect actually working before you got laid off? Well, I was an aspiring architect. I still had maybe five or six years till I was going to get my license. But I was working as a job captain, which is under project manager. And, you know, it's above sort of the senior drafting level. I was doing it for four years at that point. You know, after college, I had a great job. I was contributing to my 401k. I was like, envisioning my life as a 55 year old finally getting my own firm and having people work under me that's what it was like and that's what i was looking forward to but then like i said it just kind of all got erased from there yeah man you could have been designing wendy's restaurants all across america in just a few decades from now <laughs> i was designing restaurants actually it's funny oh, were you really that. yeah uh pf chang's what else yard house and some other smaller ones the firm i worked at also did some apple retail stores gap And uh, the big project I was working on was a casino in in Vegas before I left. Oh, wow. Very cool. And of course, you're on the upswing, and then suddenly the ax comes down. You're laid off in 2008. You loved the job. I want to sort of zoom out a little bit before we get into the passive income stuff. How did you even find the courage to dust yourself off from that? Because a lot of people that I talk to, they lose their job. And a lot of people that I ended up with from Wall Street, I mean, they just didn't recover. I know some people that are still not working because they took three, four years to kind of recover and now they're basically unemployable because they haven't had a real job for so long. Mm-hmm. How did know, you dust off? I know a lot of people who I had worked with who are still struggling, who have taken lower level positions in architecture firms just to be able to make a buck. And um, the, the way I dusted myself off is really having other people dust it off for me. I really had the amazing support of my fiance, now wife, and also my family at the time who just you know really was encouraging and, and believed in me and Um, knew that I was the type of person who would just always try to figure things out. If things didn't work out in life, I would always try to figure it out. And this was probably the biggest thing that didn't work out. And, you know, they just believed in me that I would would, um, sort of figure my way through it. You know, another big thing was just believing in myself in that regard, just knowing that I would find some way to get out of it. And always, you know, I always try to look at the bright side of things. And, you know, I figured, well, maybe this wasn't the right, path. And then I started to think about it more. And I was like, wow, I did everything I was supposed to do from like elementary school. Like I had perfect grades, you know, in back in elementary school, you had like perfect citizenship grades. I had that too. And then in college, I graduated uh, magna cum laude and all this other stuff. And I was doing all I could during uh, work to, you know, stuff beyond what was in my job description. I was going up to classes that I didn't need to. I was taking tests I didn't need to just to learn more about the industry. I did everything I was supposed to, and I still got kicked out. And that's when I told myself after, you know, the dust settled a little bit, I said, wow, that doesn't, make sense to me. I have to take control of my own life. And I, I want it to be where if I were to fail, I want it to be my own fault. Yes, exactly. So it was 
because here's what I want to separate. A lot of guys are like, passive income, I don't have to work, and I want to dispel that myth too, but I definitely, or I saw this, and this is one of the reasons why I really chose you for this particular topic, is because you chose it not because you wanted to not have to work or just you know to sort of sell the latest snake oil and internet marketing, et cetera, but because you wanted to have control over your destiny, and that's one of the, and to put it dramatically, and that's one of the reasons that I went into business, aside from that I happened to have a stroke of lucky timing when I did end up getting done with Wall Street and starting the Art of Charm, happened to have that overlap. But honestly, having control, you're right, it has to be your fault. It can't be, oh, there's a recession and you're the low guy on the totem pole, see you later, because you really are then at the mercy of circumstances beyond your control, which is an awful place to be, especially when you got mm -hmm. babies. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't have babies at the time, but I do now. The whole passive income thing that came as a result of getting inspired by Tim Ferriss and reading his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and just getting introduced to the idea that, wow, you can actually get paid for stuff that you've invested your time in upfront for, where you could actually stop for a little bit and continue to earn an income. You know, sort of like royalties if you were to be in a commercial for, some, for something, you know, you get paid over time as long as that commercial airs. Same thing with online business. If you create systems of automation, things that could continually deliver value to a particular audience that has a need or a pain and you have solutions for them, you don't have to be there all the time in order for them to receive that value. And that's what really Tim Ferriss kind of introduced me to. And that's where my first business came out of and why it was kind of built that way um, to be able to help people. Actually, what, what I did was I helped people pass an exam that I had previously took in the architecture industry, creating guides and creating practice exams and helping them pass the test in a way where I didn't have to do it one-to-one. -one. I didn't have to do it while I was awake. I could do it with the entire world, anybody who was interested in passing this test. And it kind of just blew up much bigger than I ever thought it would. But uh, that was my saving grace. It was actually, even though the, the layoff was the worst thing that ever happened, I wouldn't change a thing because it was that information I learned while be, becoming an architect and understanding sort of the holes that I could fill after I got laid off is what, what helped me create my business and really shape my future. Yeah, I, it makes sense to me that, of course, life being full of ups and downs and twists and turns and things like that, it seems like, and tell me whether or not you agree with this, what we become is essentially a result of the choices we make in response to that stimulus or those stimuli, right? Because a lot of the people, like you said, that didn't study exam business and create a bunch of passive income streams, those people who are now being a secretary at a firm where they should be a designer, et cetera, or an architect, it's their response to that situation that determined where they are now and your oh. response to that situation, which is determining where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to what happens to you. You know, it's like, you know, you watch any sporting event and who's the guy who always gets the penalty? It's not the guy who started the fight. It's the guy who reacts and punches back. You know, that those are the guys who go to the penalty box. It really, I mean, stuff happens to us all the time. And a lot of those times we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we feel about them, how we react to them and what we do as a result. Do you think that holds up on both the, I guess, micro level and macro level? I mean, is it a day-to-day -day thing or is it more like a big picture thing? Oh, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, from little snafus that happen in the business and the website's going down, I mean, I could easily just get upset at somebody and, you know, that's not helping anybody. I remember my site went down for an entire week in March of 2013 Oof. and I had lost about 12 grand in potential profits as a result of that. You know, getting angry and upset and really just shouting at people, the server, whoever, I knew that wasn't going to 
change anything or, you know, maybe it might make things happen much faster, but I needed to calm down and react. And what I did was I just immediately, because I was so upset, I just switched servers and I hired somebody to do that for me who knew what they were doing and things have been up and running perfectly since then. Um, So that's sort of a micro level of the same type of thought. Okay. Yeah, I hear that, man. Tell me about it. It took me years and I'm still working on it, admittedly, to not be victim in a lot of those situations like oh the stupid internet thing blah 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 why blah. me why yeah how come this always happens to me and then i have to sort of step back and be like you know first world problems that my fiber optic internet is down for an hour or whatever it definitely makes sense to look and keep these things at, at any level and keep this thing in mind these types of of ideas because it seems to me that a lot of the people that have a sort of taking responsibility mindset or the the idea that people can grab the bull by the horns, those people are generally successful because they're doing that at the micro level every single day. And that ends up into a macro level decision of where your life ends up going, what kind of partner you want, what kind of wife you have, what kind of family life you Mm -hmm. have, where you live, what kind of career you find yourself in slash don't find yourself in, but actually create for yourself. And that's what you've done is created a lot of opportunities for yourself. But here's the thing. Do you just have an entrepreneurial brain or do you have a system for spotting opportunities? Because it's easy for us to be like, we have passive income streams up here on our on our shows. Right. But it's another thing for a guy who's working a nine to five and being like, whatever, you guys aren't helping me find out how to do this for myself. How do we start to train ourselves to even look at opportunities, find opportunities, punch failure in the face and, and keep going or, or at least venture out in the first place? Sure. I mean, whether you have a job right now or not, there are always opportunities out there. You just have to kind of keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. And yeah, that's sort of a generic answer. But really, a lot of the a lot of the best businesses have come about of just providing solutions that weren't there. And a lot of times it's people scratching their own itch and then sharing that solution with everybody else. The best thing to do if you really wanted to go and research and find a business or type of person or a market or a niche that had a need is to go out there and actually talk to people and ask questions. I had a guy named Dane Maxwell on my show in episode 46 who kind of just blew everybody's mind. That episode was downloaded over like 350,000 times now. It was about how to create a business from scratch with no money, no ideas, and no expertise. And really it was all about just really going to businesses and asking, hey, what are your biggest pain points? What do you do every day that that you hate doing? And then building his sort of solution was to build software solutions for those types of things, you know, from helping home inspectors be able to better manage their photos and their their inspections on their iPads and create a quick way to kind of recall that information, send it off to whoever needs to be sent it off to. Because he found out that, for example, people we're always doing it with a clipboard and a piece of paper and it would take forever and people were able to see the value in a piece of software and having an iPad and doing that and saving a ton of money and time and they would pay a recurring monthly fee to have access to that particular piece of software. I mean, that's just one particular uh, one particular task in one particular industry. I mean, just think of how many different businesses and opportunities there are. Um, you know, just it's keeping your eyes open but also asking questions to see where there might be pain points where you can then provide solutions for. It's not always... It's not always software. Sometimes it's it's even information. For example, with my site helping people pass the lead exam, that was information. P- information people wanted right away, quickly, and the best information to help them pass the test so they didn't have to waste time because it was convenient and they didn't have to waste money either. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that there is something to be said for keeping your eyes open for opportunities. But yes, you're right. It is kind of, in a way, a, a generic answer. And I'm hoping that we can hone down the mindsets for success and sort of tips on 
how to make that a little bit more streamlined. Because yes, I, I hear you. You can't really tell people, look for these three things and you'll find successful business opportunities all around you. I mean, it's really a tough thing to develop, but it can be developed. It's not just a talent that you're born with. It's not just some entrepreneurial brain that you're hardwired with, at least as far as I know. Right. I mean, just talk to people. I think that's the biggest thing. And a lot of things, you know, a lot of people are scared to just get out there and talk. You know, they're worried about how people are going to think about them or think they have some malicious actions that, you know, involved. And no, I mean, if you are really concerned about helping somebody and ask, tell me the five things you do most every day and which one, you know, provides you the most pain, which one do you hate doing, which one, if you, here's a great question to ask any business owner, if you had a magic wand and could magically just make something that would help your business, what would it be? I mean, that question could lead to so many potential solutions that you could then provide solutions for. And going back to what Dane Maxwell said, he's like, then you can work with those people to have them shape this product or whatever it is that that may be into the perfect thing that you know, you validated it as opposed to what a lot of people do when they want to, you know, become an entrepreneur is like, I have an idea and they spend years and a lot of money trying to make it. And then all of a sudden it goes to market and they don't have any contacts. They don't have anybody to sell to. They just think that magically once they're cool idea goes to market, it's going to take off. And, you know, you want to validate your ideas before you spend that time and money. And that only happens when you can really talk to people about it. All right, back to the show. Of course, and talking to people is essentially what we teach at The Art of Charm is how to sort of shed the fear of judgment, get out there, create connections with people, and make that an effective process. Uh, Speaking of which, I mean, you have to have key processes at very crucial points. You've got two kids, and you work from home, which, I mean, working from home with babies and a wife, I mean, I don't even know how you do it. And <laughs> you probably get a lot of work done at night. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I have to be conscious about the needs of my family and also the needs of my business, too. And a lot of times, especially in the beginning, those lines were very, very blurred. And I would get into moments of when talking to my family, and this was even before I had kids, when I was talking to my wife and my business was first starting out, I'd literally be having a conversation with her. But in the back of my head, I'd be thinking about that email I had to answer or that new product I had to come out with or that image I had to edit. And like all this business stuff while I was having a conversation, just completely unfair. And it eventually led to some quote, conversation about, you know, (laughs) both of our needs. And uh, it it turned out to be the best thing ever. You know, I'm so thankful for my wife to call me out for that. And what it led to was a few things. One is actually having a schedule. And I know we always talk about, you know, trying to break away from the nine to five job. I mean, you need to schedule because before I had the schedule, I would be working all of the time and I didn't have or create time for myself or other people around me. And even if you're a solo entrepreneur and you don't have a family, it's important to give yourself time to take a break and time to enjoy life. I mean, why would you do this stuff if you can't enjoy life? You really need to recharge every once in a while, especially if you're going to go balls to the wall with your business that you're trying to create. Um, So creating a schedule is one thing. Secondly, actually having a physical space. It doesn't have to be a space in your home, but for me it is. But having a space with closed doors away from the personal stuff to do and focus on business was really important too. And I actually, you know, when I close the doors to my office... I mentally get into business mode and, you know, with the whole kids thing, my purpose in life is to teach them and to be there with them and be a good example for them. You know, I want to be with them all day and I spend most of my time with them all day. I do most of my work, like you were saying earlier, at night after they go to bed. But of course, like at this moment in time when we're talking right now, there are moments during the day where I have to be away from them and I'm going to be in my office 
you know, so I have to communicate with my wife and the kids. The kids are a little bit older now. I mean, four is the oldest, but he understands now when daddy's in his office, no interruption. This is him working. But it also helps me because when I'm out of the office, I can mentally check out of my business and check in with them. I mean, you know, if I was like 50 or 60 years old right now or, you know, thinking back to when I was starting my business and being like, wow, all those times I was like playing with, with my kids, but I wasn't mentally there, I would just kill myself for that. I mean, that's these are the times of their lives which is most important. And so I want to be there with them both physically and mentally. And that's another way to do it is to actually have a physical space where I can check in and check out mentally. You know, I struggle with that as well. There's so many times where, and Jenny, my girlfriend's very good at going, who is that? Or what is that? Is something wrong? And I'm like, no, there is no good reason that I'm checking my phone at a picnic. It's just a habit that I have trouble breaking. Mm-hmm. I should have left this damn thing at home, right? But it happens all of the time. I do have a studio in my apartment in San Francisco, which is great, but I don't sit in here all day and do work. So if there's nothing going on and maybe Jenny's cooking and I'm just sitting down or helping out, it's very easy for me to sort of mentally or even physically wander off and end up checking my email or going into look at a show that I've released and see how it's performing or looking mm-hmm. at my analytics. It's really easy to drift off and I know that it annoys her and it actually, it makes it so that I'm almost never away from work, which is not a healthy place to be emotionally. I had the, the email app from my phone. Uh, I didn't even or, know you could do that. Or put it in a really hard to find spot because I had the, the mail app, which was like the one you could download. There was, when you downloaded it, you were like on a wait list of like a million back in the day or it's called Mailbox, I think. The, Apple version of the mail client you can't delete, but I have it just hidden really far away. And I catch myself while trying to go and get it and be like, mm, okay, maybe I should, this isn't the right time. Actually, speaking of my phone, one thing I like to do, and I still do this, is I set alarms for myself throughout the day, maybe five or six randomly throughout the day at random times. And what it does is when I get those alarms, there's a message that pops up that says, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing right now? And it checks in with me if I'm at, if I'm doing working thing if I, if I'm supposed to be doing work stuff that's like hey are you doing work stuff right now if not then I know to kind of get back on track. Typically it goes off when I'm with my family. I ask myself, well, am I mentally checked in with them right now? And and in the beginning I wasn't, but now I know those alarms are coming and I always make sure to stay checked in with them. That's brilliant because it's it's almost like meditation. You know, you're sitting there playing Hot Wheels cars with your kids and you're thinking, oh man, you know, how do I get that thing, that lead box, blah, 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 and troubleshoot this? And then you go, oh, wait, wait, nope. Focus on the cars crashing into each other and the one that flies. Yeah, it's so true. And then I find myself getting a little bit more animated and, and just having more fun. The kids are having more fun at that point, you know, just from that little reminder. It's almost like a little thing on your shoulder that just kind of punches you every time you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. It's funny because a lot of people in normal jobs who are listening to this right now probably have little tricks to keep them focused on their actual job. And when you're an entrepreneur, I feel like you can get carried away and you need reminders and alarms to stop working and stop thinking about things that you're doing at work. That's so true. That's so true. One thing you mentioned earlier that I wanted to touch on was, you know, kind of going back to when I was in creation mode for myself. It was really interesting because when I started to do things for myself, I started to get something that I'd never gotten before when working nine to five. And that was recognition for the actual work that I did from the people who were using it. Um, When I was working in architecture, you know, I did all these drawings and I worked for other people, project managers and senior designers. And the clients would always read the drawings. But I mean, you think about it right now, the building that you're in right now, uh, Jordan, or anybody listening out there, or if you're on the road or something, the last building you are in, if I ask you who built that building, you probably wouldn't know. 
unless you were in like some famous building. And even then, yeah. like, you know, you might not know who built it. But, you know, here I am online helping people pass the lead exam. Like how niche is that? And how irrelevant is that to most of the world? However, for these people who I'm helping out, I get emails like, hey, Pat, thank you so much for saving me time and money. I just passed the test thanks to you. Like those emails come in every single day. And because I've been creating stuff for myself, I feel much more fulfilled and and getting recognized for the work that I do as opposed to before where I'm just doing somebody else's work, but also not even getting recognized for it, really. I'll tell you, I make this joke on my show as well. When I was an attorney, I didn't get a whole lot of fan mail. And, uh, <laughs> and right now, it's, it's really cool to hear from people m- multiple times per day. And whenever I feel... Like, ah, you know what, this is stupid. I should just do this and I could work less and I could, you know, leverage this and make just as much cash as I am right now. I'll get an email from someone that's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to thank you. I'm getting married in large part due to what I learned on your show. I started my own business five or six years ago. Let me know if you're ever in Switzerland. We'll hang out on my boat because I have a sailing company. And I'm thinking, wow, great offer, great success. Guy credits his happiness to us. I can't just go and be a sell luxury cars or whatever. I can't hair brain scheme. I had in mind to sort of, you know, replace whatever stressed out moment I was having working here at the art of charm, having a rewarding gig that you're passionate about is it's kind of priceless. Absolutely. I mean, I go to my mailbox, uh, my UPS box for my business every week, once a week, and I get five, six handwritten letters. And those are just so awesome. You know, I read those and it just shows me that I'm doing things the right way and that I'm actually helping people. And it does, you know, I have a three shoe boxes full of those. And when times get tough, I do look at them and I just read one or two and that's all it takes really. I mean, you don't know when you, especially when you have an online business, even you, Jordan, with the Art of Charm, I mean, so many people listen to this. You have no idea who's on the other end who might be benefiting from this. I mean, there are people out there who will never message you, but you know that they're there because you know, you just got great content and the one person who thanks you, you know, in person or through a handwritten letter, there's multiple that are actually benefiting from what you have to offer. So, you know, even if it's, even if times seem tough, especially when you're starting a business, you know, even if you can reach out and help one person, it, you know, that can, can definitely exponentially grow from there. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me you have a PO box because I'd noticed that you publish your income reports on your website. I wouldn't want anybody to know where I lived if I had that online. well by law i have to put an address in my emails for the can spam law and so just makes i don't want people coming over anyway so so maybe i should turn the car around because you don't actually live at that address huh (laughs) make a right instead of left oh got it good good to know in addition you know going through all of this passion and all of these entrepreneurial ideas we're going to come across haters it's great that we get letters of, of thanks but what about when we have our friends saying, no one's going to buy this. No one's going to pay for this. This service doesn't make any sense. Or even when I started The Art of Charm, I remember my mom, who thought of the name of the company, for God's sake, told me, don't get too disappointed if it doesn't work out. And I remember, I know she did that not because she's like, you're never going to make it, you son of a bitch. I mean, she was just, she didn't want me to be disappointed if it didn't work out right. because that's what moms do. They want to protect their little babies. It doesn't matter if you're 35. You know what I mean? Right. And so... Even to this day, it's like with multi-seven-figure business, I'll tell her, you know what, we're doing this and this and this, and she'll go, that's good, honey. Just If it doesn't work out, just just keep on, just keep at it. Keep your chin up. And I'm thinking, uh, I'll be moms. fine. <laughs> you know, I'll make it if I don't get the article or whatever. 
how do we deal with the negativity before we have the success when we're just dealing with people going, ah, man, you're stupid, you're never going to make this, or, you know, everybody's done that. That's not novel. How do we deal with the haters and the negativity that comes our way whenever we're inherently, that comes with it inherently when we're doing something on our own? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to happen, so expect it. And the best thing to do is just stay away from it as much as possible. If you're around people who you know are going to be negative about it, don't don't bring it up, you know, just talk about something else, especially if it's family or friends that you can't really get rid of. Yeah. And if it's people who you can stay away from, then just stay away from them, you know, and then do what you can to surround yourself with people who will help you or who will back you up or who will support you, who have potentially done what you're trying to do or are doing the same thing, who you can get behind and sort of motivate you to keep going. We live in a world, it's sort of like a bucket of crabs. I don't know if you know this analogy, but we live in a world of it's a bucket of crabs where if, if you put a bucket with a bunch of crabs, live crabs in it, you can just leave it there. No crabs will ever crawl out because once one starts to go up. Oh, crabs. I crabs. totally heard you, crap. Wait. Oh, crap. And I was yeah. like, that's not a really pleasant way to look at life. A bucket of crap, <laughs> but whatever. I'll let you tell your story. Sorry. Okay, a bucket of crabs. A bucket Got of it. crabs and not like the STD kind of crabs, but <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Uh, just to clarify everything in this analogy, <laughs> crabs from the ocean. <laughs> you know, if, yes. you get a, if you get a bunch of crabs from the ocean and put them in a bucket, none of them will ever, ever come out because what happens is once one starts to crawl out, the others will use their pinchers and bring them back down. And that, that's the kind of world we live in. And with people who say negative things, often it's not because they don't think you can do it. It's because they have some other emotional imbalance or in, that is going on in their head. Or they, they don't want you to succeed because they don't want to feel like that they're a failure. Exactly. Yeah, it, it always highlights what they're not doing if you do something. If you and I are working at that architecture firm and we both get laid off and I cry about it and bitch to everyone and you start a business... I don't like that because I then think, man, I should have started a business and I'd be where Pat is now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a good mindset. It's a great tip because honestly, that's one of the chief reasons why a lot of entrepreneurs don't pursue things is because they don't have people around them who believe in them. And sometimes I, one of the core principles at The Art of Charm that I use a lot personally is protect your mind. And that is chiefly coming into play when it comes to that. Sometimes it's better literally to be alone with your thoughts than to be around people who don't believe in you. And that's loneliness is not good, don't get me wrong, but it's really hard to go any further than your five closest friends. So, and I think it was Bill Cosby or Jim Rohn that said, you only go as high as your five closest friends. You may actually know who, who said that, but it makes perfect sense. If you're around a bunch of guys who are like, eh, that's stupid, that doesn't work, you're not smart enough to handle it, it's only a matter of time until you believe it subconsciously or, or consciously. Right, absolutely, and, and, and don't you think that if they were truly your friends, they would support you? Unless it's the mom thing. Man, I just don't want to see you, you deal with it. But of course, your true friends will be like, go for it. Oh, God, I hope he doesn't fall on his face, right? Right, right, And exactly. they'll be there to pick you up when you do. I want to give the guys some practical tips on looking for these opportunities because we did sort of off-air talk about some exercises on is there a better solution? How do we find ways to streamline our productivity or our businesses? Now back to the good stuff. Do you have a drill for that that you want to share? Yeah, as far as just finding other opportunities that are available. Yeah, or even ways to to do things better. I know it's easier to say, oh, well, I'm always streamlining. I'm always looking for shortcuts. But there's a way to keep your eyes open and do it in a systematic way. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like to recommend people do is to write down everything they do all day, you know, from brushing your teeth to everything and just, just be conscious about where things could be improved. And one thing, and I love you touched on this, is you don't have to invent something completely new. 
right? You can just take something that it may even already exist and just make it better. You know, what happened with Segway who tried to reinvent how we all walk? I mean, now the, we... The only, guy fell off a cliff on a Segway. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did hear about that. And now I only see Segways in downtown San Diego with, yeah. like, families taking tours, and yeah. that's it. You can make something and t- turn it into something better. You can make a Tesla. You know, you could take a car and just make it awesome um, as opposed to just trying to reinvent the way people, uh, you know, move around. I mean, that's, that's, that's the analogy there. But, I mean, just keeping your eyes open and... Writing down everything is, is really helpful because you can sort of reprocess everything you've done during the day. You And again, there's nothing wrong with talking to people. It's, even if you have an inkling of, a, of an idea, talk to people that you trust and who may potentially be in that target market because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, these are my ideas. I don't want to I don't want people to steal them. You know, I'm, I'm protective of my ideas, but you can't validate and you can't know if your idea might have some flaws or may be able to be improved unless you talk to uh, other people. You don't have to worry about people stealing your idea. You're going to be the one, if it works, to move on it and take action. Excellent. And now, of course, people are always going to protect their IP. Just to be clear, we're not saying you don't have to protect your ideas. You don't have to protect uh, all of your knowledge tribally. But you should be, if you're focused on it, honestly, getting an idea stolen is so rare at least in our world in a, in a small-time way, it's all about the execution. Ideas are a dime a dozen. I think any real entrepreneur really knows that. You, you can have ideas all day. In fact, entrepreneurs generally, we have too many ideas and not enough execution. The, the guys in the circles that we run in that are successful are the guys that took one of a 100 or a 1,000 ideas they had and made it kick ass. Right, or maybe they took 10 and just one of them worked. At least they kept moving forward. I mean, that's another big thing. And you're, Not all your ideas are going to work out the first time, but you should always use those failures as learning points, not failure points. I mean, the real failure is giving up and not thinking that you can do this because there's no reason you can't unless you were to give up or not believe in yourself. I mean, there's a quote by Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And the mindset going into creating a business or doing anything that you want to do is so important because if you really don't believe you can do it, then it's not going to happen, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I mean, my problem is, if, if since I got you captive here for the next few minutes, I have trouble turning it off in terms of working, in terms of my mind going like crazy. In fact, when I was a student, I was always thought I was ADD. I got diagnosed with it. I don't really know if I buy it. I think I was just hyper and bored. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, even now, I have trouble not working all day, all night, and you work supposedly 30 hours or less per week, which is insane, and I definitely, once I have kids, I have to get there. My dad was always working. He worked for Ford. He left before I got up, and he came home. You know, I was usually in bed, or when I was older, it was so late, I'd already eaten dinner, and I was kind of just doing my homework and going to sleep, and he was so wiped, he'd turn on the news and doze off in a chair. I mean, that was the first 15 years, aside from doing Boy Scout stuff, thank God for that, that I spent with my dad. I do not want to be there. Having the kids definitely changed my mindset, and that is what obviously why I do what I do, and so that does help me in terms of business and being more productive because I feel like every hour I waste is an hour wasted that I could have spent with my kids. So I definitely think about that all of the time. And then in terms of just keeping my mind and my body healthy too, that, that's been probably the biggest thing in terms of productivity and focus and making sure I'm in a good mood. I mean, that all comes down to in the diet, honestly. I mean, ever since changing my diet, it's just done wonders for my business and my personal life, uh, overall health. And 
um, you know, more confidence since changing my diet. I, I feel better. I think I look better and uh, I'm just more confident and more streamlined in how I think and what I do. I mean, I can bust out a two to 3000 word blog post in three hours now, as opposed to before where it took me two days because I just couldn't focus or think. And I have, again, these special times of the day when I do certain things that allow me to focus just on those things. And, you know, I've also learned to take out a lot of the distractions. I know it was hard at first, but I know to not turn on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter when I'm in work mode. And, you know, it's like I always have one thing that I'm focusing on. Everything else that is around me that doesn't have to do with making sure I reach my next goal and that next task, it doesn't matter. Another big issue for me when I first started was overconsumption of all this content. There's great content out there and so many articles being written, so many podcast episodes being recorded about this thing and that thing. And I wanted to keep up with everything, but I found that by trying to keep up with everything, I was getting nothing done. So then I went with this called just-in-time learning idea, which was kind of inspired by Jeremy from Internet Business Mastery. He says, okay, just focus on your tasks Learn only what you need to complete that task if you don't know how to do it. And that's it. Everything else, just put an Evernote for later when you do need that information. Wow, that's interesting. I never, one, I never thought about my diet being a factor, but it makes perfect sense. And so do you mean to tell me that you've got no email, no phone calls coming in, et cetera, when you're focused on content creation, that's it? That's what you're doing? I mean, doing. emails are coming in. My phone is not with me, but emails are coming in. I don't set notifications up. I have it so I only see emails when I go to fetch them myself. Um, I've also, I mean, speaking of email, email's just been a huge... Time suck. ...bucket of crap for me. Yeah. Um, I was getting 300 to 400 emails a day. That's where I'm at. It drives me insane. Yeah, me too. And I had to recently hire somebody to help. And that was a big thing too is, you know, getting comfortable with having an assistant go through my email for me. And ever since doing that, a month ago, it's been life changing. I mean, I've been on top of email and having inbox zero every single day. And, um, you know, I could talk probably for two hours about how that system works, but there's going to be a podcast episode about that soon, which uh, a lot of people are looking forward to, but it's been great. And I feel like that, that part, that pain in my life is gone now because I've been willing to invest in somebody who's able to help me. And that's another thing with being an entrepreneur. You can't do everything yourself. I tried to do everything myself when I first started and it just took forever. And I wasted so much time and lost out on a lot of potential sales because I was trying to figure out how to do CSS. I was learning jQuery and doing all this coding stuff that I didn't need to learn. And even if I did, it wouldn't be nearly as good right. as if I were to just hire somebody who knew how to do that and much quicker. Yeah, you're focusing on your weaknesses instead of focusing on your strengths. You're trying to get up to mediocre par with web coding instead of being a super content producer or whatever. Yeah, I mean, try to figure out what you're good at and do that. What you're not good at, find someone else to do that for you. How did you know, just as an entrepreneur, how did you know when to hire someone? See, I hire a lot of help here at The Art of Charm, of course. Alara deals with a lot, but email is just one of those things where I'm like, I can't let somebody else answer my email. And it's just a hang-up that I've had for years. I get way too much email. I do delegate, I do forward things, but man, I reply to pretty much everything, and it's just killing me. Yeah, I mean, the way we do the emails are there's certain folders, there's one that is just for me to answer. There's ones for just my assistant to answer and she kind of filters them and puts them into different folders based on how urgent they are. And so she answers the, the ones where canned responses are involved. If people want to come on the show or if people want to write a guest post, she can reply to those. But if people have you know, questions for, for me, depending on the urgency of those questions, they go into a different folder. I have an urgent folder which gets emptied every day. 
my less urgent folder, I go into once a week. And I just batch process answering all those emails. So again, I get to choose when I go. It's a part of my schedule. You know, a lot of times emails are just interruptions. And really what it comes down to is email is literally a way to organize other people's agendas. Yes, exactly. That's why I'll check my email in the morning for urgent things. And if I see something that I know is going to derail me, I try not to deal with it. But that's been a problem too, is it's like you just want to tackle that. But you know, as soon as you open that up, you're not going to the gym. You're not going for a bike ride. You're not recording that show. You're answering because you're starting your day on somebody else's agenda. Mm -hmm. And it's the worst. And you have to ask yourself, is there, I mean, with anything, is there a better, more efficient way to do this? And I ask myself that all the time. I mean, I remember my first time hiring somebody was because I had written this ebook and it did really well. And people in my mastermind group were like, dude, you got to record an audiobook too and sell that. You'll make much more money. And I was like, okay. So I spent three days recording the chapters of the book I had written. And it was the worst absolute audio ever. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I recorded it on like a Logitech gaming headset. And nice. it, was, it was just, uh, I couldn't sell it. And so that I went back to them and they were like, you tried to record this yourself. They're like laughing at me. And I was like, that's what you told me to do. And like, ha ha ha. No, you need to hire somebody who knows what they're doing, a voice talent to do this for you. And I was like, where can you get that done? And they showed me all these websites. I mean, I went to elance.com and was like, I need someone to read my 85 page book in good audio quality and send it to me in this many MP3 files. And I hired somebody for 1400 bucks to do that, which was more money than I'd ever spent my entire life for <laughs> yeah. anything at that point. And I was, it was really hard for me to part with that money. Luckily I had money coming in from my ebook. So I was like, okay, the, I'm investing in my business here. And I had made up the cost after selling that in the first two days. Yeah. Makes sense. I do voiceover stuff or I used to do more of it. Now I just do it for video games cause it's fun. But I'll tell you, man, when, when I was doing that, people were like, we need a commercial. We need a movie caller. We need a guy who's going to be a radio caller. We need a voice for this. We need an ebook. We need this. And it is not something where you can just, and a lot of entrepreneurs try to do this. I'm just going to read my own book. Come on, guys. How hard can it be? It sounds like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. So it you, was when you, I did it. Yeah. I can only imagine. You got to outsource. And it's just that email. I can totally get why you're hesitant to do that. I outsource everything possible, but email and personal communication, it's just that's right where I'm hung up because I don't want people to email me and then get like the, sorry, Jordan's too cool for you. So go fly a kite type right. of feeling, you know? <laughs> well, obviously it depends on what that email says. I mean, there are softer ways to sort of not respond, but I think felt this way. You know, if people were emailing me and not getting any response, that's even worse, you know, and yes. if people understand that I'm busy and then I have a certain amount of time to answer emails and I can't get to everybody, if somebody else were to answer on my behalf, that would at least be better. People at least know that I'm trying. I get a stomachache thinking about the number of emails that I had gotten before and I, I wasn't answering. I had to go through email bankruptcy. I deleted over 9,000 emails oh my God, that were awful. unanswered. Um, but since then, a, a month ago, I have answered every single email or every email has been um, responded to uh, appropriately. Good thing I caught you before you got your fancy pants assistant then. Otherwise, who knows where we'd be right now. <laughs> right, right. Thanks so much, Pat Flynn, smartpassiveincome.com and also patflynn.com if you want to get real personal and Pat, at Pat Flynn on Twitter. Going to link all that up in the show notes. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know the audience appreciates the idea that they can optimize things. And also, honestly, the bigger picture, what's most important here, even if you're not an entrepreneur, is finding ways to take control of your income, even if it's just a little side gig, because you just never know, right. especially today. And in finding ways to be even more productive at work, your boss isn't the only one who's going to appreciate it. It's more time to listen to our podcasts 
while you're at the office if you get all your stuff done due to some productivity hacks. So thanks so much for that as well. Well, thank you for having me on, Jordan. Wow, that was a really loaded show. Not only did we talk about picking yourself up and dusting yourself off after you lose your job, but we talked about how it's 99% how you react and only 1% what happens to you, how to find opportunities for income streams, shedding fear of judgment, keeping work and personal life separate, productivity hacks, staying away from work when you need to so you can spend more time with family, dealing with negativity, how to spot hacks and improvements in your own processes, and even how your diet affects your business, as well as systematically removing distractions from your productive time. There's a lot there in this one with Pat Flynn. You can follow him at Pat Flynn on Twitter, and we also linked up smartpassiveincome.com and patflynn.com in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and I'll see you next time. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at theartofcharm.com. And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us if you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 